What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. It's excellent to be with you all on this magnificent day we have before us. I hope this finds you standing in your truth, living in your highest greatness for the greatest good of the universe. We need you, baby. So today's episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast is once again with my brother, Augustus Britton. Um, he is my go-to roll dog, as most of you know by now. Um, I just appreciate having him in my life to explore these topics. Um, in this episode in particular, we live in a pretty crazy time. Life is pretty wild. There's a lot happening in the world. There's a big evolution of consciousness happening in various ways. COVID has certainly brought many us into direct confrontation with ourselves, our beliefs, our relationships to ourselves, each other, and the world around us, our culture in particular. And that's really where this episode is centered. Um, so we explore some interesting topics here. We also, you know, it's interesting talking to my brother after we, there's a part two of this coming as well. That'll be next week. But talking to my brother as we're making our way through this conversation and this very much like the topic of masculinity felt very much a divine inspiration, if you will things started popping up in my, in the ether around me, started having conversations with people, started seeing a lot of things, very similar things, topics on social media. And it really, it, it felt like the universe in my mind started working around all of these things that I was seeing. And it felt like the universe was pushing me towards doing a podcast on it. So We've had deconstructing social media. We've had masculinity. Now we're talking cultural insanity and spirituality. Uh, and talking to my brother about this, we really end up basing most of this conversation in the solution, which I believe can be found in some sort of spiritual practice. So I think you guys will enjoy this. It gets a little dark, but I feel like for the most part, we are living in the hope and the light of it all because that will overcome as we know. That's about it, folks. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast and supporting me and everything I do. If you want to take that support to the next level, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain and contribute there. I absolutely appreciate it all. You don't even have to do that though. Just subscribe, rate, review this show, share it with your friends and family. That means the world to me as well. For Fantastic Fungi, be sure to head over to wake.net. Use code EBBINFLOW, all one word, to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order. That's about it, folks. Lots of love to you guys. Thank you so much for everything. Hope you enjoy this episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast and have an excellent day. Love y'all. Peace.
You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. Gus, we're rolling. Hello. What's up, everybody? It's excellent to be with you guys on this magnificent day we have before us. It's another stealth mission with my brother, Augustus Britton. Hello, hello. It's good to be here. I love this portrait of Hemingway looking off into the distance. It's almost It almost looks fake. Yeah, isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it's incredible. It was it? done by, uh, I forgot, I have on the back, I, I can't really get up right now and look at it, but it was done by this, I think it was a French photographer, or he might have been Arabian, or I could be completely wrong, but he went down to visit Hemingway to take this photo, because this, this is a pretty, are we Are we good, volume? This is a... Uh, um, yeah, I think we're good. I was just adjusting the sounds. This is a pretty famous photo of Hemingway. Yeah. And the photographer said he went down there, and Hemingway was much different than he expected. I think he, I think, notably, he was like Hemingway was just a lot gentler. You know, he had expected to meet this guy that in, in like a legendary maniac. hunter. Yeah, I've been thinking about Hemingway because I have this photo looking over my bed and how he killed himself. Yeah, and I was reading about it and. Um, you know, he might have had CTE. Oh, interesting. From yeah. the war. CTE. That might have been part of it. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, and then he was in two plane accidents. Well, he, he wrote was, about... He was uh, really banged up. He wrote a lot about sexuality. Yeah, you think it's a sexuality thing. No, right? no. I, oh. I think it's... Ta- I mean, I think it's all intersecting and connected. Everything yeah. is connected. For him, I would bet he definitely suffered from some sort of mental health condition. But he wrote about sexuality a lot. Like, The Sun Also Rises is about a guy who can't get a heart on. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the... It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big story, but that's... The main character is impotent and has a difficult time getting hard. Right. And he's, like, in love with these female characters right right yeah and then in his book later on islands in the stream or a movable um, feast is garden of eden yes that's the one the garden of eden is about this male and female character who are married and the female starts to want to she wants to take on more male characteristics and the underlying tone is that she only wants him, wants her her husband to have anal sex with her and that kind of drives him insane and they bring in these like young female partners to kind of mingle with interesting i don't think i've read that uh 
yeah, Garden I, of Eden. I yeah. read it a long time ago. Um, it's interesting. A movable yeah. feast is one of my all-time favorite, most inspiring yeah, books I've ever read. That was beautiful. He's a master. He's one of the. He's an ascended master. Yeah, you know he's amazing. Um, Channel. Interesting to kick it off with some musings on yeah. Ernest. What do you think of that uh, Bhagavan Das? <laughs> Incredible, dude! The chanting. Wow! Incredible. I had chills. I have chills. I mean, I was just like, did you read? It was interesting that he went that way into this musical realm. Well, you know, I saw this quote from Ram Das saying Bhagavan Das, the, the, something he said, something like the best voice, the best Kirtan singer in the West. Uh huh. Eb and I are talking about Bhagavan Das, who is basically the person that led Ramdas to find his guru, their guru brothers, yeah. Neem Karoli, and uh, Bhagavan. If you re- his, did you read his bio on his website? No. Oh my god! Should we Dude, read it his now? Bio. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. <laughs> I mean, this is sort of. I mean, this is all interrelated. Yeah, Evan, um, I didn't just drop acid. Um, Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean he's so Bhagavan Das is is the twenty three year old from Orange County that Ram came into contact with. Yeah. Towards the end of his trip to India, right here it is. I have it. He was totally it. lost. That's his. That's his little mini bio about going to India. Ram Ram was totally lost. He fucking. He was about at his wits end. He hadn't found anybody who had, who, who quote unquote knew anything. And here he's sitting in this like tavern or something. Yeah. The blue Tibetan. The blue Tibetan. And this dude, this kid walks in. It was like six, six, got a beard down to his navel, hair down to his ass. He's 23. He's from fucking Orange County of all places. And his name is Bhagavan Das. And he see he looks in this guy's eyes and he just automatically is like, this is the guy that I've been looking for. Yeah. And somehow Bhagavan says, yeah, I'll take you to a guru. Right, right. And so he starts going with him. And Ram Das talks about how he basically, he had to be treated like a baby because he'd be like, I have dysentery. I, I'm just, <laughs> you know, yeah. my stomach is killing me. Yeah. And Bhagavan would go, oh, just fast for a few days. You'll yeah. be all right. And that Bhagavan would say, just be here now. Right. He's That's like, where Ram Das yeah. got be here now from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ram would be like, when are we going? To, when are we going to get to this guy? When are we going to get there? Mm. And he'd be like, just be here now. We'll get there soon. Yeah. So Bhagavan, I left America for India in 1963 to find my guru. I was the first American to live in the jungle of the Himalayas as a hermit sadhu. I was given the holy name of Ram by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. I went off alone to the caves in the mountains to meditate. I then came to meet Swami Chaitanya Prakashananda Tirth, who gave me tapas to pray for God's grace. After a year of fasting, prayer, and intense purification, I met my Sat Guru, the Mahasiddha Neem Karoli Baba who I lived with side by side for many years. He sent me to 
Anandamayi Ma to receive initiation from the Divine Mother. Then one day, because of the tantric path he knew I must travel and the many karmic connections due to ripen, he sent me away. So I went towards Tibet to go deeper, deeper, and then beyond with the last living yogis from high in the mountain peaks of Tibet and Nepal. During my time with the Tibetan yogis, I was the first Westerner to meet and live with Lama Kalu, the guru of the 16th Karmapa. He gave me the Mahamudra transmission mind to mind. I received the clear light of primordial awareness from His Holiness Dujam Rinpoche and then the Vajra Yogini transmission directly from the 16th Karmapa and Sikkim. I lived with Yogi Chen who explained all the details to me in English in his hermitage in Kalimpong. When on pilgrimage to the holy Buddha Budhanath Stupa in Kathmandu, I met Richard Alpert who was to become Ramdas after I brought him to Neem Karoli Baba. I am here now by the grace of my Satguru Neem Karoli Baba. He led me home to the Divine Mother in the form of Amulya Ma, my precious beloved wife who is always guiding me on the true path of Bodhicitta. With her crystal clarity, ancient wisdom, and pure love, this is it for now. Sarava Mangalam. Dude, his journey. Yeah, he's. Isn't that amazing? He said he got it mind to mind transmitted. Yeah, well. I'm having this thing, dude. Once you start meditating, magic exists. Totally. But it's not even magic. No. It's like this these realms. Oh, yeah. Where we could be sitting across from each other. And mm-hmm. and tele, te, telepathizing uh-huh. is real. It's oh, a yeah. real thing. Well, that was what we were talking about that the other day where you said, uh, <laughs> I think you said you had an experience in your meditation of astral projection. You yeah, went yeah. to another planet. With Jack Cornfield too. Oh, yeah, was, yeah. Where, where Jack like red... came into your, yeah. into your mind space. Yeah, it was like a red sun where my third eye was and I just had like this thing of him with me or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then I told you I had a few instances last year when we were going to acting class and this would happen to me in my morning meditations too, but the most pronounced were in the uh green light meditations that we do in Marth's acting class. Mhm where we'd lie down and we'd do this visualization practice, and I literally blasted off to other planets multiple times. One of the times I was on this planet that was clearly the mother planet, I don't know how else to explain it, I'm sitting on the shore of this ocean looking out at the sun setting next to a tree on a sandy beach of a place that was not earth. And I didn't, it wasn't like, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of coming from that place where I'm looking for the miracle, yeah. you know, my whole life, yeah. like I've been looking for the miracle. Right. And then this was an experience of the miracle. Yeah. You know, and it was beyond something imagined. It was a clear cut, thing that I was experiencing. Right. And then I came back to this place, but I was in a different part of this planet. I had dreams about it. 
I had another meditation where I was flying through a fucking wormhole with these other souls. And then we were talking about how Ram Dass said uh, Maharaj, he looked at him one day and was like, so you guys are going to Mars? In America? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So in America, you guys are going to Mars? And he just started laughing. Yeah. Caroli started, Baba started laughing. And I've talked to people who... Well, he started laughing because he had been there. Yeah, he'd been there that's, already. That's sort of he'd silly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's silly. It's almost ridiculous. Right. Because to take it further, in our westernized mindset, we get to Mars, then what? We're still there. Right. Wherever you go, there you are. Well, you're on Mars now. You're now you're discontent on Mars. Yeah. So yeah. where are you going right. next? What's great. the next planet? Yeah, great. Well, actually, you know, I had finished that conversation when you were saying I projected into, uh, you know, being with Corn Jack Cornfield and then having that red light experience. That I had had another experience the day before of reaching out to somebody about a possible collaboration, and I said to them, "I'm psychic." Oh yeah, and they said, "Oh, I'm always." They said something like, uh, "That's so L.A." That's or... so L.A. And I was like, "Oh man, the material vice grip has you. The scientific materialist vice grip. The is, scientism has, has completely uh, destroyed your ethereal nature. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I hope you can open up to that nature because it's really there." It, I mean, the Mercedes looks dazzling, but the Mercedes is uh, only metal deep. Well, this is sort of, this is interesting. It's an interesting way to start because this podcast, I felt really compelled to address the cultural lunacy, the cultural insanity, this pseudo-intellectualism that is plaguing the minds of People throughout our society, our media, big technology, politics, etc. And all of it really is a complete denunciation of this, this deeper aspect of the human experience that we're talking about. Visualization, creative imagining. But it's sort of beyond that. Creative imagination is almost, it's its a way, it's a veil put over this, this deeper access point that we all can connect to through practices, techniques like meditation, like breath work, like yoga. Mm-hmm. Because it's all real. Like yesterday I was meditating in the morning. I always meditate in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yesterday I was meditating and Sonny came to me. Mm. He always used to do that. I'd Uh be meditating and he'd come up and he'd even like crawl, try to crawl up into my lap or climb up into my lap, put his paws on the chair between my legs and like put his head there and just say good morning. And he did that. And it was like I was with him. Mm. And that was that was auspicious on that day yesterday because last night we went and got this new puppy who, you know, I don't know if we were, 
whether we were ready or not, the universe kind of brought this new puppy into our lives. And it was, it was like Sonny was coming to say, hey, it's all good, you know? Yeah. I'm here with you always anyway. Right. Well. But it was beyond, but it was a perfect example of being beyond my imagination. It's beyond the imagination, like these astral projection experiences. Because when you're meditating and you clear your mind of all the thoughts and you let all the thoughts just run out, what's left yeah. Like we were talking, like what a profound experience to be human. Yeah. Sitting here in this mind body vehicle. Whoa. Yeah. I'm sitting there journaling this morning and I'm thinking to myself, what a fucking experience this is. Yeah. <laughs> we have totally Kinda had that the other day. We have intellectualized ourselves out of being human. So, there's this thing. Well, wait, thing. I want to talk about... Wait, are you going to forget? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Ramana Maharshi, something Ramdas always said, his uh, his um, devotees, when he was on his deathbed, they came to him and said, don't go, don't go, you know, don't die. And he said, uh, don't be silly, where could I go? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really interesting, this real just death grip it's funny this like death grip of needing not being okay with the unknown mm. now i have a lot of things i'm working on being okay with that feel unknown to me of course but even just opening up to this possibility even just opening up to the possibility that maybe the unknown is okay which helps when we go to our great teachers and they bring that, they bring back that information. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? No. Uh, I mean, I was going to, I was going to give a definition of intellect. Uh huh. You have it? I have it, but are we there? Yeah, yeah I'm fine. I just wanted to say, uh, don't be silly. Where can I go? Sonny's still here. Of course, man. Sonny's still here. The echoes are everywhere. The echoes are everywhere. Oh. It's all over. I'm really at this thing. I'm really at this thing, Gus, where I'm going, what happened to us? What happened to people? How did we get to this point where we're so lost? <laughs> we're so caught up in this th in this illusion. Yeah. Well, and it's one thing if the illusion worked. If the illusion was working for us. Yeah, it's not, clearly. If the illusion was working for us, that's one thing. But the illusion is not working for us. People are literally being driven insane. Dude. In the materialism. And that's what I was going to say. That's what I said to you earlier. You know, because I'm here and I've got, we, we've got a few things to talk about here. Or at least a few things to use as examples of what, what am I talking about? Cultural lunacy. Like, what does that even mean? Uh-huh. What are we looking at? 
and I've got a few I've I've got a few points that I want to hit on. But as I'm thinking about this podcast and I'm thinking about this conversation and I'm going into sort of I'm going into my spiritual teachers and if they had the opportunity to talk about these things, would they have what would they have talked about? How would they address these things? And you said very astutely, like Ramdas always addressed politics and global situations and Part of his thing as he got older was addressing his place as a Jewish American in the grand scheme of the, you know, sort of the universal theater that was at play, the the grand drama that he was a part of and his role in it from that point of view. Yeah. And like, I don't really want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about this shit. But at the same time, my my astrological makeup as a Libra, as who I am, my day is literally, my birthday in this book of astrology is literally the day of moderation. And it couldn't be more acute as far as just having to be the balance. So I've got one foot in the material world. I've got one foot in the ethereal world. I'm at my best when I'm grounded, but my head is always in the clouds. Mm-hmm. So let's address these things. Let's address them the best we can, and let's try to make sense of something that right. may or may not be distorting the view of other people. Well... I want to go back to what you just said. You just said, how did we get here? You know, I think the simple answer to that is that over time, post-industrialization, post-nature living, we have created layer upon layer upon layer of technology And technology doesn't necessarily mean phone, computer. Technology is just the different thing that moves us forward that we think is advancing culture, but we're kind of too blind or too unconscious to see what's really happening. You know, and the Buddhists, you know, the goal when you're a Buddhist or a Hindu, I believe, or Zen, is to strip away those layers, Mm. to stop identifying through meditation, through your method, with identifying with the material world. And, I mean, these are people where... Can we stop right there? Yeah. Why is that useful? Why is what useful? Like, why are we... For someone who's totally trapped or loving their identity, like just loving being who they are, loving their title in the world, loving their job, loving the chase, loving all of that, being <laughs> just infatuated with it all. Uh-huh. Why is it useful to apply these techniques to your life mm-hmm. to detach yourself from these identifying markers? All right. Well, your audience may very well be listening to two deeply neurotic people <laughs> right now. <laughs> they may be listening to two dudes that are on the edge of Insanity. enlightenment and psychosis. Yeah, yeah. So that's certainly possible. But based off of what you're saying yeah. and based off of something that I see, 
everybody I talk to, see, this is what I was talking about just recently. Everybody I talk to is feeling this in some shape or right. form. Oh, cool. Yeah, I got the house. But wait, hold on. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of fires going on behind me. So is it really okay? Uh-huh. Is the... Are you really in love with it all? Yeah. I mean, dude, this is, this is a huge question. Mm. What's the point? Mm. What's the point of doing any of this, of meditating, of the method that you spoke of, of the realization? Mm. But, but I mean, all of the symbols and all the materialism has got us here. And if you look around, we're living in a concrete jungle. Is that how we really wanted to live? Is that free? Do we feel free? With the with the myriad, I'm reading these books, you know, that you've you've read David Hawkins, Eckhart Tolle, Osho, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, these lists of neuroses are staggering. <laughs> like, why are we? Why do? Why would we even have to talk about them if it wasn't? If none of this was necessary? Mm. Yeah. Why is every commercial for a pill? I mean, there's a reason for that. That's not a mistake. Mm. Mm. there's this great book i just want to say this thing and we need to do another book club soon oh yeah for sure but there's this book in 1969 and it's interesting it came from 69 i've really been into the late 60s 70s lately because that was this interesting era of love and it's this book called uh so human and animal which i read a little while ago Mm. 1969 it won the uh pulitzer who wrote it? Uh, this guy, Rene Dubose. Oh, yeah. Um, it either won the Pulitzer or the Nobel Prize. And um, I just pulled up a quote from it. It's an amazing book. It's really amazing. And he talks about the rape of nature in the book a lot. Mm. How like how we build environments these days rapes nature. Uh-huh. So we're disconnected and how like you can't really process the color green anymore Mm. and this is in 69 and he also taught he also said think globally act locally that was one of his 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 thing i believe it was him but this is the first quote on uh goodreads it says it is often by a trivial even an anecdotal decision that we direct our activities into a certain channel and thus determine which of the potential expressions of our individuality become manifest Usually we know nothing of the ultimate orientation or of the outlet toward which we travel. And the stream sweeps us to a formula of life from which there is no returning. Mm. Every decision is like a murder. And our march forward is over the stillborn bodies of all our possible selves that will never be. <laughs> this dude's profound. That's, that's super heavy. <sighs> Yeah. yeah. Why do you think it's important asking, you know, putting your question back to you? Well, I think you answered it, man. I think we've asked that every time we've done one of these. Why why are we deconstructing social media? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? It's because it's not working. I had two people tell me yesterday how uncomfortable they with, were with trying to engage in social media. One person said you know, I'm uncomfortable. This other person said, I think I'm too sensitive for this world. And then they said... I've felt that many times. I've felt that exact saying. 
Yeah. That exact thought has come into my mind yeah. many times in my life. And then I said, I relate. And then the next sentence they said, I just want to be free. Ugh. What is going on? Yeah. Well, that's really profound to me because, or tying that back to watching that Ram Dass de- documentary, Becoming Nobody, which I highly recommend for any of you guys listening. But he says at some point it stops being about how high you can get and it starts being about setting yourself free. Yeah. Remember? And it's like, yeah, that's it, dude. You can't do enough drugs. Yeah, you can't. You can't have enough sexual partners. You can't buy enough cars. It's just not enough. Never. It's never enough. It's never enough. There's never enough money. There's never enough power. Look at the people in power. They just want more power. Like big technology. You don't, you already, you don't have enough Facebook, Google, fucking Twitter, all these assholes. Like you, you don't have enough control. So now you need to have more control. So you're censoring everybody who speaks out against you or has some contrary opinion to whatever thing has been deemed acceptable. Yeah. And by what terms do we deem what's acceptable and what's not? The age of misinformation. Ooh. We better not critical think anymore. I'm going to call you out in a minute, dude. You're Me? No, no, this writer, <laughs> New York Times writer. I don't yeah. I don't even know your name and your name is probably not even worth knowing. Yeah. But the person who wrote the article about how critical thinking is exacerbating the misinformation issue. Have him whatever call that in. means. Have him call in. We need to have a conversation. I'd l- I mean I'd to love what, to, what but the problem is if the, there could even be a conversation. The problem is the hypocrisy and the corruption involved in whatever it whatever went into writing that article is it's not it's only worth examining for the fact of how wrong it is yeah and how unhelpful it is to the state of humanity right now how did these people get jobs? I'm a writer. How do Dude, they, this uh, is who's coming out of college, me. bro. Somebody tell me how you get a job. But this is who's coming out of college right now. Jesus. Yeah. This it's dude freaky. probably Very graduated freaky. from some liberal arts school yeah. in New it's England. Freaky. freaky. It's a problem. And it's like, dude, I'm, I believe in education. Like, I believe in being cultured, educated. I believe in steeping yourself in the great literature of the world and spirituality. Like, I believe in this. Free speech. Free fucking speech. Religion. Explore religion. Learn about this shit. Yeah. Learn history. Yeah. I think we're getting, we're getting, we're getting very general. And I wanted this to be, I don't know if we're getting very general, but look. God, I don't think. No, no, you're right. I want to, so I want to, <laughs> 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 we're getting hot. This well, is, see, it's hard to, uh, 
Well, I gave specifics. I mean, no, I no, you did. No, I mean, no, you definitely did, dude. No, I, that's not necessarily true that we're getting general, but I think that we're just we're getting far out uh, from the place that I wanted to start from. Well, it's a far out conversation considering the world. <laughs> <laughs> it is a far out conversation, and it's interesting, you know, getting into these topics. How my my fire and my passion gets activated. Through the simple yeah. uh, environment of it where you're not allowed to have conversations about many of these things anymore. Yeah. Or at least that's what they want. They really want us all to think the same. Who's they? I don't know. I don't know who they is. I really don't. Corporate, I, corporate somebody. Something. There's something when you start paying attention, dude. Okay, so here. Let, well, let's... but it's what would it? But it's what okay, Renee me... said. It's what he says in that quote. Yes, to a degree. Yes, which is why we need the we technology council. Away. I want to talk about away. this technology council thing. Dude. I love that. Later. Let, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. We get swept away. Yeah. On this river of something. I don't know. River of industry. So. I think there's a real issue of pseudo-intellectualism. What is that? What is that? So pseudo, it's it's a fake, it's a pseudo-intellectualism is, yeah, is the term sounds... that's been coming to me. Yeah. Because it masquerades as being sort of high-minded intellectuality. But it's really, but, but as you examine it and you start to look at it, you go, well, that's that's really pseudo intellectualism because you're not allowing for the debate, you're not allowing for a contrary opinion, or you're not allowing for any of that. So we just live in this world of absolute truth. So what is intellect? Intellect on dictionary.com. Which another thing, with everything becoming digitized, you know, there's no more written records. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I love so books. it can all be I'm erased. All about books, though. No, I know. Me yeah. too. Trust yeah. me. No, and I make I a point of handwriting. Yeah. Every morning. Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting. But intellect, the power or faculty of the mind by which one knows or understands, as distinguished from that by which one feels and that by which one wills, the understanding, the faculty of thinking and acquiring knowledge. Second definition, capacity for thinking and acquiring knowledge. Now... So, Sadhguru always has a um, really interesting analogy for the intellect. He calls the intellect like a scalpel. It's great for examining things. Right, right. Which I always thought, I thought that was, that was pretty yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. So, intellectualism is the devotion to intellectual pursuits, the exercise of the intellect, excessive emphasis on abstract or intellectual matters, especially with a lack of proper consideration for emotions. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. 
that last bit. So pseudo intellectualism is masquerading as intellectualism. Mm-hmm. It's some false sense of really what it what it boils down to in my mind is it's a false sense of righteousness of academic righteousness masquerading as intellectualism, pseudo-intellectualism. Now, why do I bring this up? Why does this keep coming into my fucking mind? Literally, it looks like on in media, social media, we're just being bar- bombarded with pseudo-intellectual ideals and concepts that are the seeds are being planted in the consciousness of, of humans around the world. Now, I mean, what is that? How does that make you feel on the surface of it, Gus? Pseudo intellectualism. I mean, just this whole, this, as we start to take steps towards this. Well, my feeling is it's been anti-intellectualism. And then, I've been on the I've been on the anti-intellectual train for years now since I wrote How to Kill a White Man, which was years ago now, I think. Where that's what I've considered it to where people aren't reading books. I mean, if you read one book a year, you're not really reading book. Like that's not really reading, you know? Yeah. Um, Especially if that one book is like fucking. An Oprah's book club yeah. fiction. I mean, whatever it is. Well, actually, that's not true because you could read one amazing book a year and probably get something out of it. But so I've always looked at it in anti-intellectualism. And you brought to me about two weeks ago this feeling of pseudo-intellectualism. And I remember I had a friend who I had said to them. <laughs> I had said, you know, I think I feel like we live in an anti-intellectual culture. And he said, well, not everybody can be an intellectual. And I thought, oh, OK, so that's true. Yeah. But that's also there. a pretty dangerous. Uh, what 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 numbers are we talking about here? Like, are you saying when you say not everybody can be an intellectual, does that mean? See, I have this feeling. Actually, I, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't know if I can say it. But um, if the number of intellectuals is so small, that's an issue. In the same way, if the number of rich people is so small, that's an issue. But is it? I don't know. Well, the thing is, look outside, do we... brother. <laughs> is it? I don't know. I don't know. You is talk it all to okay? Fucking... I don't know. Brother. I don't know. I don't know either. But here's the is here's getting the your thing. foods and relying at Whole Foods. This is that is that the way to go about this thing? And then Let's, when there's when a storm we hits, get into wealth. you've got no food. <laughs> is that the way we're doing it? I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. But that's see, that's more. Well, I don't know. I don't know what that is. But that let's that's. Super complex. I'm just giving analogies. No, I know. But on the intellectual point, Uh are we comfortable leaving the intellectual endeavors to these people over here? I would say we're heading down a really slippery slope because that's what we're doing already. Well, yeah, we've already started that. There's this quote unquote academic left that has decided that they are the high-minded intellectuals of our society Mm -hmm. 
and they should be dictating what real information is and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have a civil war on your hands. Soon. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What will happen? That's what you're going to do. If not, if, but so, but what is that though? What like, is what? See, be, because to me, like, there's so much more to the human experience than intellect. Like yeah, the intellect, in the same way you said it's a tool, right? The intellect doesn't know shit about the heart. Yes. There's no wisdom in the intellect. Yes. There's no. There's no insight in intellectuality. There's. There's no. It's a great thing for examining things. Well, but then you can examine something into oblivion. Like, for instance, here's our first topic. It might get hot. Hang on tight. Strap on your seatbelts, boys and girls. Hold on to your butts. Breastfeeding exacerbates gender inequality. Yeah. Now... You may hear that and you may go, Eb, you're insane. Where does a topic like that even come from? Well, the other day I'm scrolling through Instagram and this fucking article pops up on somebody I follow. And it's all about how back in 2016, academics from Eastern Seaboard, high-minded, quote-unquote, intellectual universities started writing essays on how breastfeeding was doing damage, was a dangerous concept in the realm of gender equality. Uh Now, what, like, now you might go, well, that's, who cares what a bunch of intellectuals say? Well, here's to take it further. In 2021, hospitals in the United Kingdom have become have begun using the term chest feeding instead of breastfeeding just years after US academics published a study in which they argued that the promotion of breastfeeding as the quote-unquote natural way to feed a child has many negative societal effects. In early 2021, Brighton and Sussex University hospitals in the United Kingdom drew international criticism for swapping the word breastfeeding for chest feeding in an attempt to be more inclusive of transgender individuals. Likewise, Harvard Medical School referred to women as birthing people in an effort to include those who identify as non-binary or transgender, as campus reform previously reported. We are concerned about breastfeeding promotion that praises breastfeeding as the natural way to feed infants, wrote Jessica Martucci of the University of Pennsylvania Perelman School of Medicine and Anne Barnhill of Johns Hopkins University in the journal Pediatrics. Promoting breastfeeding as natural may be ethically problematic and even more troubling It may bolster this belief that natural approaches are presumptively healthier. Okay, dude. Uh, I mean, look. Where was that from? That was sort. That was a synopsis, um, of a number of articles that I've found. 
What are the publications? Dude, this is from this is these are academic publications. Waba.org. So they're like, which so is they're like academic papers. And these are uh, academia.edu, gender health and initiation of breastfeeding, breastfeeding and gender inequality. Yeah, but I now don't... look, let me, let's look at this from multi, and, and I don't want this whole podcast to be about breastfeeding. And really this, the topic of this, I'm calling this to attention because it's part of what I'm talking about. Like. We're going to literally intellectualize ourselves out of our humanity. First of all, I get it. Look, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I've watched my wife give birth to our child, which was the most miraculous event of my life. Watching this thing happen. Watching my wife give birth to my daughter. The most magnificent, miraculous event of my entire life. I've never seen anything like it. Breastfeeding is a very, now while this is an ancient practice, and by God, I don't think there's a debate about what's healthier, breast milk from a mother's teat or feeding your child formula. I think if we look at the statistics, there's no question a baby who's breastfed is a thousand times healthier than a baby who's formula fed. Sorry, guys. I don't think there's an argument there for that. As far as all of the, all of the things, look, I'm not a fucking scientist and I have no interest in being that, but all of the things transmuted from a mother's body into the child's body through the breast milk. It's, it's, invariably important in the process of growth in an infant. Can we can we just start there? Yeah, well, what are we talking about? I feel like these articles are insane. Exactly, yeah, Gus, but, but, why, we're, but, but they're influencing this, culture. Is this, though? I haven't heard about any of this. I don't know if this how Gus, prevalent fucking this is. hospitals in the UK are not even allowed to use the term anymore. Like, what are we talking about? What are you going to do? Why? What well, exactly. Do, I'm, well, that's what I'm saying, Gus. That's what I'm saying. Like, does any of this matter? Maybe not. Well, I think some of it matters. I'm calling into attention. I don't know. I'm just calling to attention the lunacy of intellectualizing well, it everything. It is. I don't think everybody's that insane. I don't think. I, do, I agree with you. I agree with that... you. But, Gus, what I'm saying is. This is a microcosm of macrocosmic shit going down. Yes. Where fucking Congress has taken out of all of their literature. And look, I'm not a fucking. It don't, don't, you don't even have to say that. Just say you're not a what. <laughs> well, see, I, I've said this. I had this conversation with Jared Odrick. Uh-huh. And I have to say these qualifying markers. Fuck, that. Fuck the qualifications. Because it's anesthesia to yeah. those listening on the other side. Listen All to right. me. Listen to me. Well, I guess for I am new not... listeners that need to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You're right, though. Uh, you're it's right. It's like I saying this care. person abused me, but hey, let me preface by saying they were good at some points. <laughs> no, I can say they abused, you know. No, like, you're right. Well, like, why is Congress taking out of all of their language 
mother, father, husband, wife, brother, sister. It's all like making these non... It's just like, why are we focusing on that? Why are we spending time on that? Well, you're, are you saying the gender stuff in particular, or is this I'm is just, just saying, one of the this instances is just one, of the, of the this stuff is just one, this, of the proclaiming? I saw list. this thing, and it it triggered something in me that I was like, this is such a, it's like Dr., it's like this asshole, Dr. Fauci, way back last March, saying that we may never be able to shake hands again. And it's like, yeah. dude... Yeah. You're you're dropping seeds in a very right. impressionable well, that's consciousness. Dang, that's dangerous. This is all dangerous. Well, I think why that's... are we telling people how they can and can't speak? <laughs> why think... are we why are quote unquote right. academics well, you ask me... making arguments about what language should well, be you used? You started this whole conversation about why the intellect is important. That's why the intellect is important. Because if you don't read, right. if you don't have any intellectual capacity, you become a sheep. I don't like that term, a sheep, but that's what you become. If you don't have that and your intuitive heart space, as Ramdas would say, get the fuck out of the head and bring it down into the heart. Mm -hmm. You know, we need less intellectual people and more wisdom people. You know, That's he, my point. Okay, this but listen, he talked about when Clinton was president, he went in there and and met with uh, Clinton's one of Clinton's main scriptwriters, and he and he was an intelligent intelligent person, the scriptwriter, and he said to him, "Are there any wisdom teachers in here? Are there any people that stand back and stop and look at the big picture and that you around the president that you ask? Yes, around uh -huh. the president, so it's not just intellectual shit." Uh huh. And the guy said, um, "No." There aren't. And then the guy said, you know, we have things coming up so fast. We've got to deal with Bosnia. We've got to deal with the Middle East. We've got to deal with this crisis, that crisis, mm. that there's so little time for us to bring the intuitive heart into this. So that's one, one aspect of it. But in terms of being able to think for yourself, I think... You have to have some intellectual capacity because if you don't have Definitely. that, you're getting your information through the media and you can be influenced very easily. Now, mm. luckily, it seems like this is super important what you're saying. Like I said, not everybody is that insane. Not everybody you're is right. that insane. You're right. So there's people and there's alternative news sources and there's I mean, it's not even alternative. They, they just seem alternative. There's just different sources like your podcast, like Rogan, who's a fucking icon of new thought. I mean, you have to put him in the conversation. And, and I think you're you're a kind of pioneer. I mean, I'd like to think I'm a pioneer with what I mean. Pioneer is a well, we're extravagant young, word, but yeah. you know, I mean, we're 20 years younger than Joe. Yeah, but it's know? like it's like just giving a more holistic vision of what we're saying, and it's like, okay, you have this gender identity, but now you're imposing it. I mean, this is where the Jordan Peterson thing became right, so right, popular. exactly. Where he was saying, I will respect you being transgender, blah, 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 but you can't force me. His big thing was this right. com compelled speech. Yes. You can't compel me through your rhetoric 
And yes. your new kind of pseudo-intellectualism and pseudo-lawmaking that I have to do this thing that I don't believe in. Right. So now, to your point, this is really dangerous. Um, so we need an equal amount of intellectual capacity and heart space. And also, so first of all, I think a number of things need to be said around this. I don't... the the These articles... At least from what I gather, it's not an attack on breastfeeding itself, although it may very well be because it's definitely planting these seeds that we should in some ways be moving away from breastfeeding. I mean, do you let me ask you, do you think these people are doing this in a I don't know? No, no, no. Wait, wait. Do you think they're doing it to promote? Because in their heart, they feel like this is the thing we need to do to become a more peaceful culture global culture or are you seeing it as a kind of conspiratorial thing of control but see they're not really conscious of that are you saying they're conscious or unconscious either way is it negative is it dark or light i mean it seems like you think it's dark obviously but it you know and and this is why i wanted to examine this gus and this is why i wanted to talk about this I don't know, but when you're paying attention, when you get to this, you know, when you start to become aware, you become aware, right? And you just start to notice things in a new way and you don't take things at face value. I'm look, I'm looking at this and I'm going, why are we talking about this? Why are academics at the universities of, of fucking all over the place, why are we writing, doing studies on this? Well, it doesn't why? seem like they did a study. They just slapped a label on something. But I had... look at you look up, you fucking Google breastfeeding and gender roles. You would not believe is breastfeeding anti-feminist. Breast is best, but where? Hostile sexism underlies fucking... Well, this is this whole thing that happened... Unintended consequences of invoking the quote-unquote natural. But this is this thing that happened almost a year... Which, that was going on a, a year ago or so for a while where breastfeeding in public was not... was taboo. Now, why? Why? I don't understand. Like, you want... it's. So, which I find a, a, appalling. Like, look, dude, this fuck you. I can this I one, can fucking breastfeed in public. Absolutely. Why would Who the women? Fuck, do you think you are? Do you need to be that fucking? Let me Meanwhile, read you. you. If you have a cell phone, you can watch the most egregious pornography on the face of the planet. Because look at this. This is an abstract from breastfeeding and gender inequality. I don't even know what this said. This is a whole intellectualized insanity i don't even think we need to read it yeah you're right you're right we've already spent too much well on let this. me but i just want to comment on one thing that happened to me i think two nights ago i was watching television and uh i was watching a game and the advertisements came on and it was really interesting <laughs> to watch because i i noticed and these are all corporations right and i noticed how it was all different colors of people that I hadn't seen in commercials until recently. You know, like, you know, it's like 
the commercials now are all inclusive and including different genders, different colors that weren't as prevalent previously before Black Lives Matter. Uh-huh. Right. And I just thought this is interesting that the corporations. Right. Now care. Yeah. It's like now you, now you have these new characters, but it's like, is it just to sell a product? Is it just because yeah. they have to go along? I'm just trying to tie this all back into your question of why. Because to me, the gender issue goes along with the racial issue of where it's the en vogue. You know, I feel like race and gender have different heat to them, but they're the topics that are contemporary. Well, have, so, you, have you been following this Gina Carano thing at all? Yeah. So Gina Carano was just fired by Disney. Yeah, I saw that. Because all of these fans were in an uproar about her not taking a stance on the Black Lives Matter situations. And then even building on that, they were upset that she didn't write her her preferred pronouns on her Twitter account. And instead sort of mockingly wrote like beep, boop, bop, boop, <laughs> like robot. And... Literally whipped fans, whipped quote-unquote fans, the mob, into such a frenzy that they got Disney to fire her. I know, and Ben Shapiro, who's, uh, he's pretty hardcore, but he's one of the more important Jewish commentators. And, you know, he, I mean, he's he's pretty, I mean, he's he's actually, I've found him more funny lately, or more interesting in a way, but he was dissecting the Gina Carano thing, and they're the last straw to fire her was that she had compared the, uh, you know, being being red or conservative to being a Jew in the Holocaust. And Shapiro did a whole commentary on it, and he said, hey, man, I'm as Jewish as they come. I wear the hat. I, uh, he said, <laughs> literally, he said, literally, he said, yeah. I wear yeah, the hat. Yeah, yeah, no. And then he said, um, I don't like Holocaust jokes, but he's like, there's nothing in here. There's nothing that Gina Carano wrote that is so egregious where she should be fired from her job you know what is going what well when does it stop when does it end when people are burned at the stake exactly because giordano bruno was fucking burned alive back in what the 16th century when he said these things up in the sky these stars i think they're different planets yeah and he went and said that I don't know if he said it to the church or the uh he said it the to royalty the, to the wrong person. They had him fucking burn the next day. So are we going to start burning people alive in the streets? See, that's what this that's what this pseudo intellectual population that's what they that's what they want. But see but see somebody could come back to back to me and say, "Whoa, that's super aggressive. You're talking about burning people in the street." But like you said, these little micro I mean, they call them microaggressions. The microaggressions. That, yeah, that's not what. But I'm dude, we but might these as micro well. Problems lead to that. But see, when you start saying things about people on these massive public platforms, you might as well be doing public executions. Yeah, well, this person can't work anymore. Right. That's a exactly problem. exactly. But, okay. but what Gina Carano said, <laughs> but yeah. what Gina said, which I thought was so poignant. And and true, it's just true of this of this crazy pseudo intellectual righteousness that's happening. 
this cultural lunacy that's that's infecting the mob is like when do you realize that you are now becoming the bully because you're bullying the people who don't believe it. you're doing the thing that you've been so upset people you've been thinking people have been doing to you for so long now you're doing the thing back yeah so you're you're pulling the eye for an eye which doesn't work well in the evolution of consciousness the eye for an eye model doesn't work yeah it makes the whole world blind let me let me bring this wow. yeah let me bring this back to the heart, Eb, because I get really, I get really. I know, we I, get every, fired every up. Every time we schedule a podcast, I'm like, I'm going to just come in chill. <laughs> we get <laughs> I hot. I end up fucking yelling. Well, I wait. listened to Ramdas interview Thich Nhat Hanh, and Thich Nhat Hanh is just like. Oh, he's a That beast. dude's so equanim. He's just like one level. The art of power is unbelievable. I mean, I get chills. He's out of, he's amazing. Yeah. But let me bring it back to the heart for a second, Eb. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Do it, please. It doesn't allow any forgiveness. Yeah. Why not a conversation with Gina Carano? Right. Why not a conversation? Why not a why not a Okay, Gina, you don't want to take a stance on these on these topics. Maybe that's okay. Yeah, Can but... we allow that? And yeah, but... and wonder and find out the why of that. And maybe come to a greater point of understanding. And there's no heart in it. There's no compassion. Mm. It's like, okay, you have a different point of view. Can we sit here and look each other in the eyes and be okay with that? Yeah. I don't have to cast you out like you're some cultural leper. Let me just be here because we have differences of opinions. Sheena Carano didn't kill anybody. Right. She's just trying to figure... She's just on her trip of trying to figure it out. She actually didn't even say anything. But do you see... There's yes. no There's no heart in it. Of there's course. There's no heart yeah. space and forgiveness in it. I think that's really important. There's no humanity. Yeah. It's just no like, humanity. you said this, you're done. Canceling is one of the most spiritually dangerous things we can do. For this, for this gl now global population... Moving forward, because it, in the tribal element, talking about Native in a Native American sense, you send somebody out, they go nuts. You don't know what they're going to do. They might kill all the horses, uh -huh. might set the buffalo free, might burn down the village. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we can't just we can't just Exile cast each people. other out this way. It doesn't work. Well. So it's, where's Gino Car Gina Carano now? <laughs> she's going to be working at fucking Safeway? I mean, what is she doing? Le but see, there's she's so killing many, it. But there's so many people that... Support her. Support her. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, dude. It's, um... <sighs> we get hot. We get hot. Just talking about these things, isn't it interesting? What do people think? It's of you? interesting. <laughs> it's interesting how. What like, do people think of you? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I get all kinds of interesting. For the what's interesting is, I've recently. It's okay got, to have an opinion. It's okay to feel. We have to. But we, we have, have to, to be compassionate. There's a whole spectrum of colors. Our pop. Our our political system. 
and media system is perpetuating this dysfunctional myth. Back to Ramdas, we're living in a culture of dysfunctional myths Uh. where it's us and them. Mm. No, it's we. (laughs) We can't afford to cast people out. You You may think you can. Because we're on this global scale and you're never going to see Gina Carano in public. You're never going to see her. You can lambast her and fire her and just live thousands of miles away and you're never going to see her. Well, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's a problem with this macro fucking culture. The people who are so critical, who are saying, fire Gina for not doing this, 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 and this. It's like, so you're the perfect model of right. human existence john favreau i want to hear from you man where where's are you john at he produced the mandalorian i want to hear you brother where's he at on this i don't know you're just going along with the ride you're being swept away on Give the me a fucking sign, brother industrial stream of thought because you had gina carano set up for a spin-off of the mandalorian i just want to know we need a deeper conversation john so because this isn't going to end John you just Favreau, fire her, then what? You're welcome. Then to Pascal come on takes the a shit flow. in the wrong place, then what? <laughs> what are we doing, man? What are we doing? Show love, baby. Don't give me this cast out stuff, dude. You know how difficult this is to be an artist, particularly, and then we have but to Gus, mix into this social media sphere. Gus, come where on, does man. This, so let's bring it down again. Let's bring it down. Where does this come from? Why can't we? Someone, someone reached out and asked me, Evan, I'd love to hear your thoughts on toxic masculinity. <laughs> and, you know, if you hit me with that like a year ago, I might have said one thing. But here we are, and I- I'm questioning fucking everything right now, dude. Uh, I, nothing looks real to me at all. Uh-huh. All of this shit is fucking illusory. So toxic masculinity is really this made up term to demonize men who are acting like assholes. If we're going to have toxic masculinity, we have to acknowledge that there is an, an opportunity or the potentiation of toxic femininity. Yeah, there is what it really is though, because like, give me, I want somebody who, who is, full-blown in that world give me the righteous feminist give me the definition of toxic masculinity can you give me a definition of it what does that what is that that's a guy that's a depraved asshole who is boundaryless uh-huh in his expression of himself right but toxic, ma- see, because masculinity has nothing to do with maleness. Masculinity, femininity, they're two poles of the human, of the fucking universal nature of things, of life. Mm-hmm. It's positive and negative ions interacting. There can't be, There's. it's yin and yang. You can't have one without the other. Right. Looking at me, you go, that's a super masculine man. Yes, I've been gifted with a super masculine body, physique, but inside, I've got a lot of femininity in here, dude. A lot of sensitivity, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of fucking, like, really feminine aspects to me going on in here. I'm still attracted to women. 
Yeah. I am a <laughs> I'm a heterosexual male from the from the look of things, but like my masculinity, how does that get expressed? Well, in various ways. In various ways. In strength and truth and honor and all of these things. So like toxic masculinity. You want me to comment on toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity is a term that has been weaponized to castrate men. To culturally castrate men. Well... Because really what you're referring to when you're talking about someone who's a... And like, dude, I had a good friend. I'm not going to mention his name. Good friend. One of my best friends, maybe. When I told him I was doing these men's workshops. Uh Uh-huh. These workshops on masculinity. Yeah. With my male friends. Right. He goes, you know, man, when I hear that, I think about... It makes me think of really toxic masculinity. (laughs) And I go, no, dude. Oh, God. No. No. Well, hey, man, back to the take your, take your, uh, you know, last time we were talking about take your God a la carte. You know, you take your, uh, you take your, uh, you take that a la carte too, you know? What? Hey, you know what? (laughs) You still need to buy dinner, though. You still, you know, I don't. What do you mean? We'll just hear, you know. You know, okay, so you hate men, but hey, brother, you still got to pick up the check, right? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. You still exactly. got that, right? You're going to yeah. keep that role, right? You're yeah. cool with that, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, whoa. We got to flip the whole script here. I don't need to buy every dinner. Yeah. See, now you could say I'm toxically masculine for, or uh, masculine <laughs> for that. I had this interesting happen, happen with my book. Uh, I wanted this person to... Um, How to Kill a White Man. Yeah, I wanted this person to review it. And I was like, dude, there's no fucking, I don't, uh, it, it was like no pressure. It was so like off the cuff. And I, uh-huh. I was like, hey, do you want to meet up? And you can, uh, you know, this was like a sex therapist person, which there just seems to be tons of nowadays. Um, <laughs> I, and I was just like, hey. Because we're so disconnected. Right, right. I was like, hey, you might dig this. There's a lot of like sexuality in it. And this was a woman. And I took her to, uh, or no, I didn't take her. Actually, that was the whole problem. I said, let's meet at this restaurant. I actually had like 12 bucks in my bank account. Right. And I wrote a whole story about it. Uh-huh. It was kind of an amazing story <laughs> that I still have. Thank you very much. Uh, I wrote this story and I had like 12 bucks. So I like couldn't afford to buy lunch, which I certainly would have. So I was going as like a business meeting. They seem to like perceive it as maybe something different. Uh. And I didn't want any food because I couldn't afford it anyway. <laughs> so I was like, so I was like, water. Yeah, with yeah. Ice. So the dude comes, she orders a big salad, she orders wine. First of all, <laughs> I don't like drinking. And, you know, and she's like, do you want wine? And I'm like, no, I don't really need wine. <laughs> so right she now. was on a date. It's fucking noon. I don't need wine. She yeah. was on a I, date. I don't know. So then I gave them the book. The check came, and I was like, uh, <laughs> it, she was the only one that got food and wine. And I was like, um, do you want, oh, no, I got a glass of wine. So I paid for my glass of wine, which was like eight bucks. So I was Very like right under. Four. I was right under the cap. Yeah. And uh, 
So then <laughs> it turns out they ended up taking um, my book and then reading some of it and saying this isn't any good or I don't think I, I don't want to say anything about I can't I don't have anything to say about it. and I said okay that's cool and then I wrote this story about basically kind of dissecting masculinity in it because I had heard through the grapevine that they decided not to review the book because I didn't buy the lunch and then it turned into this whole thing about he was extorting me for work and you can't force me to do something. And it was just like mind-blowingly like, wait, <laughs> the the power struggles here are just bizarre and yeah. totally unnecessary. And um, See, that's, that's a perfect example. But of, see, I was called toxically masculine. I believe that's what you would say. That's a perfect example of over-intellectualizing intellectualize literally intellectualizing yourself out of your humanity mm-hmm. so that's where we are you know it's this know, thing I, so we're over an hour what do i say man i don't know we spent way too much time on the breastfeeding thing and i, I think, think you're right i think I, I i think that most people are not that insane and most people go huh like that doesn't even make sense. Like if you're a mother giving birth to a child, I'm of course you want to breastfeed. I'm sure even if you're a transgender mother giving birth to a child, you want to breastfeed. I heard this story about this great Zen monk and he was sobbing and uh he was sobbing and his student came up to him and said, "Um, what are you sobbing about? Why are you sobbing?" And the guy said, my, my son just died. And uh, the, Zen, the Zen master said, my son just died. And the Zen student said, um, what, how could you sob? You know, you're not supposed to be. Nothing's, you're supposed to be, mm. be, be beyond all that. I thought you didn't believe in illusion. And the Zen master said, yeah, but it's the greatest illusion. Mm. <laughs> Amazing. So there's certain things that, Back to your bit about... Well, I guess we're moving through this thing. We have to look at this stuff. We're moving through this thing. I mean... I have this thing now where I'm saying I love you to people. I always People say, that I don't really know. I love that. I always say that. Um, Wait, can I say something about the I love you? Yeah. Osho would say how we had cheapened the word love. Huh. But see, he was in that period of like the 60s and and uh, the, the 60s and 70s uh-huh. and maybe the 80s where love had become cheapened with the free love generation. But then I feel like through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, which was just a hellscape of <laughs> new technology and concrete and building and terrorism politics whatever kind of terrorism where we had lost our love Mm. and i feel like we need to bring that back we need to bring back that's why people like you and certain 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 thinkers and feelers 
that promote love and openness are really important because a lot of what we're talking about is being misconstrued as love when it's really delusion and confusion that we just feel like we have to do these things to satisfy the quote-unquote mob. Fuck the mob. That, you know, fuck the fuck this mob mentality. What? Who? See, this is, you know, dude, you know me, man. Anyone who knows me goes, Eb, how are you so zen? <laughs> and of course, the people who are closest to me would go, Eb, you're fucking, you're an asshole. <laughs> nah, they don't say that. No, but. That's not true. But actually. really, you know, I'm super. You used to be pretty. You used to be not so zen. Yeah, maybe we'll do a podcast on that, how I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I don't. I definitely, I think judgment is a very natural. It's like, at least in the Western conditioned mind, judgment is a very natural aspect of our relational mechanism you walk down the street and you see people how they dress like you're all you're constantly like making these like judgments yeah you know what i mean about who a person is before you've ever met them you have no idea who they are but just how they look how they dress how they carry them you're like you make all your mind is making these taking billions of data points and like putting it into a model and saying that's who that person is and making a judgment about them, right? Yeah. Now that aside, and I I'm, I say that because I don't, I'm not immune to that in my Western culturized being. So I'm accountable to that, but I'm never like, I'm super open. You know what I mean? Like I'm super accepting. I don't really care. I don't care who you are, what you want to do, how you ca- how you dress. Like, I don't really care. You know what I mean? If you feel a certain way about your gender, and I totally believe, like, this human body, this vehicle that we all come into this fucking life in, there are unfathomably infinite variables in the makeup of who a person is. Now, that being said, I don't want to be told how to think or what what I'm supposed to, how I'm supposed to relate to the world. And we talked about this earlier. Unless, I, I think it's true that Unless you have come to terms with the abuses you have faced in your life and you've acknowledged them, you've taken them into account, you have a more difficult time being aware of the abuses happening to you presently. This is a very abusive culture that we live in. A culture that really wants to tell you how to think how to be, how not to be, and what you're supposed to be doing. 
Tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I am. And whoever that is, I don't know who's like pulling the strings, the fucking weird academics that have some grudge to fulfill and enact on the world. Like Bill Gates must be the most abused person on the face of the earth who's literally inflicting his childhood trauma on the entire world by thinking that he gets to dictate medical and health policies. Uh which was another part of this cultural lunacy that I wanted to talk about. Like, why can't we have a discussion around vaccines? The V word. Well, you're deemed an anti-vaxxer. Like, that's synonymous with being a fucking Nazi. Maybe we need to do part two of this. Yeah, we're going to have to do part two. Cultural lunacy one and two. But what I want to say is... And we'll, we'll definitely get into that. But, like, why... We should have, we should very much have a dialogue around all of these things. Why is a tech mogul fucking on TV doing the publicity tour about why everyone on the planet needs to be vaccinated? Does anyone think that's weird? I know I've mentioned that before. I just find it really bizarre and disturbing. Well, you know one of the most powerful things we can do is work on ourselves. Boom. Work on yourself. That's the most helpful thing that I know I can do to help this world. If I can't be of service to my reality and my sanity and my heart space and getting deeper into my intuitive heart, I'm going to have a really challenging time being available to you. You know, we we have all of these distractions and layers of identification that prevents us from being intuitive, which I believe is why meditation, back to your question of why are we doing this, why something like meditation, you know, it's why talk therapy is so important. It's because we're getting rid of some of those layers. Although talk therapy, I feel like it can be limited. But, you know, with meditation, we're pausing and listening. I mean, this is what we talked about last podcast. You know, loving yourself. It's really true, man. Working through your trauma so you're not walking around with so much hate. And I think there's a difference between being discriminatory and being judgmental. I think it's good to, like you're saying, it's good to um, see the things around you and how they affect you. I'm just working on getting more and more honest these days with how I feel. Well, you're speaking the honesty of what's happening. Exactly. In my relationships, in relationships. Well, your whole point there of working on yourself, it's why going into this podcast, I'm going, what, do I, like, why even talk about this? Why are we going to talk about this? But it's, it's the state of things. It's the state of the world, of the global consciousness. So I guess we can work through it while we're here. But see, people need people like you or me or whoever to be lights to say this is how you can work on yourself this is how you that's what sages are i'm not saying i'm a sage 
and I don't want to speak for you, but that's what it is. It's giving people the license and liberty to be able to look deeper into themselves. Because if we're skin deep, it's not going to work. We can't see that, that the intuitive heart and compassion is actually a possibility. Mm. Because you, you say, this isn't working for me. So I don't know how to do social media. I feel nuts. Okay, now what? Right. Now where do we go? And you have thought leaders like, you know, who have looked through their trauma. I mean, we have an incredible breadth of spirituality in our family, particularly born out of our mother where we know who these thinkers are. We know who these great authors are that have some of the keys to opening up. Yeah, it's a good point. And what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Sit back quietly and just no, watch it all go by? No, I think you're just supposed by? to make as much money as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was thinking about last night? This sort of feels like this Armageddon point or like the plane is crashing. <laughs> and it's like you have to make a decision. Do I just like fuck everybody on the plane? Like sex? Yeah. Or do I decide to like find God? Uh-huh. Like, you know, that like Armageddon, like it feel, yeah, it feel, I feel like people feel like Armageddon is happening and I'm either going to devolve into all the debauchery. Like this is a great time to either become a junkie or not. Or a monk. Yeah. Like this is it. Yeah. That's what this feel like. Is that far fetched? But that's what it feels like in a way. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Or at least find balance. I don't think it's... Well, it, it's... You're meeting with the people. I'm seeing it. You're meeting with people who are expressing their... The, the, the insustainability, the unsustainable nature of life right now. Yeah. Like, I don't wake up and go, let's deconstruct social media. That'll be fun. Dude, where did COVID come from? COVID is like an incredible blessing. Suffering is grace. This has been an incredible eye-opening. Year of awakening. Of course, the media only wants to talk about how 500,000 people are dead. That's the only fucking thing. They'll, the, the only side of the God. coin they'll talk about, the, the fucking dark side. Can we talk about how this has been an unbelievable opportunity not discounting the death and the struggle, okay? But this has been an unbelievable moment of awakening. Yeah. What yuga are we in? Kali. That means like the destruction and the rebirth, right? Yeah, this is the complete destruction. The we're Kali in the yuga? End. We're in the end. Apparently it ends 2024. That's what we're in. Yeah. Yugas are different yogic time periods. Epochs. Yeah, epochs. And Kali, I believe, is the goddess of destruction and rebirth. Yeah, it's where it all gets destroyed and we start over and we come into the age of love. Which all the spiritual teachers, that's what they're all saying right now. And it's like Ramdas when he was looking at all the lepers and went to his uh went to Maharaji and said, Maharaji, what are you doing, dude? You're sitting up here, you have special <laughs> powers. Why don't you go down there and save these people? <laughs> Maharaji said don't you see it's all perfect? Yeah, exactly. 
that's I know, dude. I know. Did you know. say that to me the other day? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. But and you know it's interesting because we're all these like these particles of the universe working itself out. So when I go, my internal conflict of why do we talk about this? Why? You know, it's not really up to me. I'm just here to talk about it because for some reason I, it keeps being brought into my consciousness. Eb, you should talk about this. Eb, this thing's really weird. Don't you think we should talk about it? You know? Oh, breastfeeding and gender inequality? I never would have even thought about that. Yeah. And again, like that, and maybe you highlighted for me the insanity of me thinking that was important. But I do think it's a microcosm of this weird undercurrent of philosophical seeds that get planted through the pseudo intellectuals that do this thing. They plant seeds. Yeah. They plant seeds of thinking for the people who are unaware and for the people who aren't paying attention because you go breastfeeding and you go, what are we talking about? 20 years from now, if nobody's talking about that, we're fucking growing babies and fucking machines yeah because it's too gender unequal to think about a woman giving birth to children anymore like we've been warned about like fucking the great the great fucking thinkers of our time george orwell or not of our time but of previous generations yeah george orwell aldous huxley like these fascinating minds brought all of this shit into our awareness Long time ago. Yeah, 1969. Usually we know nothing of the ultimate orientation or of the outlet toward which we travel. This is Rene DuBose. Uh-huh. And the stream sweeps us yes. to a formula of life from which there is no returning. Yeah. We put people in square boxes, houses. Have we ever gotten out of square box houses? Yeah. Fuck no. No. Every decision is like a murder, and our march forward <laughs> is over the stillborn bodies of all our, this is amazing, of all yeah. our possible selves that will never be. It's this AI shit, planting the seeds. I think you're right on with planting the seeds in terms of, I heard this thing about AI. Dude, it's You know, even seeds, talking bro. to Siri... That's planting the seed of combination with artificial intelligence. I so want, 20 years from now, you've got a fucking robot in the room, fucking, uh, you know. Whose mother. We call her mother. Yeah, who's, light, who's, who's lighting your cigarettes. She makes breakfast, gets the kids to school, and sucks her dick when we yeah, come home from work I know, at night. I know. Look, or dude. goes down on you, or go, or if you're a woman, goes down. On right, you. It's right, Ted. Exactly. It's Ted, the hologram. <laughs> it's father or mother. Yeah. All I'm saying is, man, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You know, I I don't think we can't go. What's down the, the road alternative? Anymore. You don't talk about right. it. Right. Well, that's what people want. Well, Gus. if you don't talk about it, then move to the Himalayas, Eb. And be and go and into a temple, be a hermit sadhu, and then I just might live. do that. I might do that. 
Well, I may meet meet you there. I'm going to sell my next <laughs> book, and then we'll think it. about it. The Ebb and Flow is coming out. I'm, <laughs> I'm the co-host. All right, y'all. Get the Ebb and Flow, everybody. It's coming out. Pre-order. Right. When's pre-order, Ebb? Pre-order. Well, we're shooting for June 1st, 2021 launch. Sweet. The Ebb and Flow, basic tools to transform your life. I'm stoked. You got to do pre-orders, dude. All right. Yeah, we'll get there. I wanna. I don't want to fucking pre-come all over, pre-ejaculate <laughs> over, over this thing. Um, oh, that's too. That's too gender rolling. You're so toxic. I know, you're bro. So freaky. <laughs> you belong in some like dungeon club in the gorilla. Lower East Side in yeah. this in the fucking '85 in yeah. New York City. Yeah, exactly. Nothing but leather on and your Use hair condoms hair all buzzed. over the floor. Yeah. That I've just been beating off. I don't know of. who you used to hang out with <laughs> in the past life. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I mean, we barely scratched the surface. We yeah. spent way too much time on fucking. Stop saying way too much time, dude. We did. This You're is right. hard to get around to, dude. I know. We're navigating. It's like a giant labyrinth. anaconda with two dudes trying to wrestle it. No shit. Know? No shit. All right, dude. Well. We'll continue with cultural lunacy in part two. This was a good start. Yeah. I think we you. worked through some shit. Definitely. I definitely went insane during the, the course of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. But it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting how we I want to come into it from the spiritual super Zen mindset. And I get so heated. Yeah. I find myself so amped up. Right. Which is interesting in itself about these topics because it yeah. goes to my greater point about why I think politics are such a, a just a complete distraction. Because politics is literally the mechanism by which all of these human topics have been weaponized to turn us against each other. And even against ourselves. Well, it's interesting. Are we speaking louder because we think they can't hear us? That's a good. That's like a I good was thinking question. about it. Like Tick Not Han is like, yeah. So you know, we. Um... Hey, He's Evan. I want to. Evan, I want to talk to you about how you found yourself, and then when you found yourself, what was the thing that you did when you found yourself? Did you go into the woods, or did you just find the city and you found Sunny? Yeah, yeah. So then what did Sonny tell you? Yeah. Like, I don't even know if I can do that, though. Well, see, that's... It's beautiful. Yeah, that goes back to just acknowledging and living in our... Our You're process of life. you me. Yeah, well, it was really know. interesting. You know that guy, Duncan Trussell? Yeah, yeah. I think he's amazing. He's a wild man. Well, he he had this brilliant. I was I was scrolling through his Instagram, and you know he he does the talks with with the Love Serve Remember Foundation. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, he I've goes, seen some of that. Um, I've heard about that. He had this great post. He's like in the, in his studio at his house, like he's doing his his podcast or whatever he does. And he's like, hey, everybody. And he has this kind of weird caricature yeah, voice yeah. that he steps into. Yeah, very, very. And he's like, hey, everybody. Just thought I'd give you some advice. And he's like, he's like swirling around his studio. And he's like, <laughs> drink plenty of water. 
be kind to everybody. And like, that was it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, dude, it's so brilliant. You know, I do these videos and I was thinking, I was like, God, am I one of these people who's like giving people advice? And I quickly went to no, because I'm always just sharing these insights that come to me as I receive them. And I'm just as much telling myself all the things I say on my Instagram videos as I am like, I'm not really telling anybody anything. I'm sort of like documenting. I look at it as a, as a vehicle for documentation of these things that come into my head out of seemingly nowhere. Yeah. But I thought it was such a brilliant just illumination of the entire realm of social media. Oh, so he was like sort of mocking. Oh yeah, he was totally. Nice it was thing. totally. Uh, it was totally uh, like a satire. skit, a satire of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you because know, it's like Gus. I'm writing. I'm writing this morning, right? Uh huh. And it, it really triggered a lot in me. Him doing that? Yeah, because I was thinking to myself, you know, especially when you get on the spiritual path. Yeah, and we'll wrap this up because we're yeah, we're fun. going deep. Yeah, but when you get on the spiritual path, you keep thinking like you keep. It's it's very tempting, and seductive to keep going to this thing of like what you should be doing, right? But like the whole thing is your process of exactly. getting there. Well, so it's like if you're eating the fast food. If you're, you know, fucking doing the drugs, you're having sex with the people, you're driving the cars, you're getting the money, you're doing the things. It's like, (laughs) we're all getting there in our own time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's your trip. I mean, it's your it's your trip. And we need to talk about how social media could be an accelerator of liberation, but... You know, that that could be the next time. But, uh, you know, on that note, I just want to say, you know, I listen to so much Ramdas. His voice changed. If you listen to a tape yeah. from like the 60s yeah. to the 80s, yeah. he has a he he, he, totally, he evolved. So totally. we're all evolving and it's OK. That's just more awareness for you. Mm-hmm. You saw that thing that sparked that thing where you look deeper into yourself. I mean, the grace is that you have the awareness of actually seeing what you're doing Yeah. where you're like, Oh, is that how I want to approach this now? Yeah. Oh, okay. So this could be different. Yeah. So, or like, you know, my, like I do, I, I sort of have, I have this personality in the digital realm of this sort of young spiritual beacon. Yeah. I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'll have just very, I have human, I do human things all the time with my family. Like something happens and I fucking react and I, you know, my wife and I will get into a fight or I'll fucking just do something so seemingly out of that character of a spiritual beacon with, you know, with my daughter, like I'll get upset that she fucking did some drew on the wall or spilled something or whatever it is yeah and my wife will go have i wish you could employ some of your wisdom in our family life and i'm just like i laugh and i go you know 
It's like, well, I'm a human being. Yeah. I and mean, this is all part of my thing. Like, I'm literally like my dojo is my life. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. At the end of the day, if I'm about anything, it's about just being in that. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. You're at the grocery store. You're fucking frustrated because people are running late to the thing. Like, what can you learn in that? Can you become aware of, like, what's happening inside of you? And do your best. Just do your best to just be aware. I don't even know what that means, though. You know, like, what is doing your best? Doing your best maybe is just, like, being in the thing. Yeah, and I think being honest and accepting your humanity. Who was this yogi that said something? Forget, I was listening to a podcast a long time. This was a few years ago. And this yogi was talking about how they would be in a yoga class and the teacher would be militant with a student about a posture. Mm -hmm. And the yogi said, what are you getting all upset for? Just the fact that this person is here in front of you is is a miracle. Like them just being here, attempting whatever it is they're attempting to do is so much already. Yeah. You know? Well, that's just probably a projection of the teacher. Yeah. And uh, Jack Cornfield said, you know, I can be a Buddhist uh, master teacher when I'm at the uh, meditation center. But if I come home and try and be a Buddhist teacher to my daughter. Right. It's not going to work out very well. (laughs) You know, he can still employ his method and philosophy and not bullshit. But and not just like go home. Okay, I'm going to go to the meditation center and become a uh, and be a Buddhist teacher and then go home and, you know drink a bottle of tequila or whatever so you know i i don't think it's that you're that different and despair you know despair uh no no um no definitely not it's not that big of a disparity but um it's just moving closer to the core yeah of the of the honest trip especially when you just duncan trussell's trip now is doing the satire of the teacher and that's fine that's how that's the trip he's on that's cool i mean you're allowed to take i think you're allowed to take yourself seriously on the spiritual path you can also take yourself definitely uh, in a silly way it can be both well i'll say this Let's finish on this. See, I think Alan there's an Watts. issue with Russell Trussell to me in a way that it all sort of becomes silly Satire. in a way. Well, the, where he, he might be. Uh, see, I don't want to get into he's dissect. The jester. I don't know. God bless him. I love it. He's the fool. The kings always have fool. I don't know. He's what the, the fuck jester. He is. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Well, this is goes God back to him. the Alan Watts thing. I dig his show. What did Watts say? The universe, like, there's a very, there's a, there's a very real difference between being serious and being sincere. Uh huh. Like, you yeah, would not. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You can be sincere and not take it seriously. You know. Yeah, that's great. Because it can, it it is a heartfelt reality. Of being sincere in your presence. But you don't have to take it seriously. 
take your spirituality with sincerity. So you're absolutely sincere, which comes from the heart, but taking it seriously is like, it has to be a certain way. Right. Right. I think that's a good distinction. All right, man. Namaste. Love you, dude. Love you, brother. Thank you for diving into this. Yeah. Interesting. The the weirdness of life. I love it. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. Um couple ways you can support this podcast you can subscribe rate it review it on your favorite podcast platform you can also head over to patreon.com forward slash eds britain hit me up there you can support this show and me at that place lots of love to you guys i hope you enjoyed this more to come on this topic i don't know why because the universe tells me to Lots of love to you all. I hope this finds you in your highest greatness for the greatest good of the universe. I'll see you all on the flip side. Peace.